Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It is episode seven of football and random things presented by Iowa Diamond. We're catching up to Star Wars. We are ca- catching up to Star Wars. What did they just get done with? Episode they had six of the trilogy. Trilogy. Yeah. So they had Rogue One. Episode eight was just com- seven. Oh yeah, I forgot about all those ones too. And then Solo. the next one after that. Well, Solo would make nine. Yeah. We're catching up to him. We're catching up to him. I think that we'll pass them. The Kansas game will be nine. Yeah, right? the Kansas game will be nine. We'll be even with Star Wars officially. With Iowa State versus Kansas. We will. We will also be even with the uh, the Harry Potter series. We're basically, uh, I don't think we're ever going to catch the Marvel movies well, cause there's, at this point. There's eight Harry Potters, right? And then one Fantastic Beast, a soon-to-be two Fantastic Beasts? Correct. So they, there will be 10 of those. Okay. So we got to get there. Yeah. We got some we'll to we'll get there in with, a couple weeks. With yeah. a J.K. Rowling character. Yeah, exactly. Guess what, Jeff? There, nobody played football on Saturday. We've got mail, though. Mm. We've got lots of mail. Ooh, neat. Fart mail. Mail ranging from all sorts of different topics. I, I can <laughs> uh, promise you that. More random things than football? Uh, no, I was actually disappointed in the selection of random things, so I called for more random things. These people, I swear, man, I think half the people that ask questions have never listened to the podcast before. They, <laughs> they're asking us to like, break down blitz schemes and RPOs and stuff. We do that. And I, I know, but I was like, okay, I get what you're trying to do. But if we're putting out the call for the mailbag on the Football and Random Things podcast when there wasn't a game on, on Saturday... How motivated do you, does anyone truly believe we will be to b- break down all of these things? I could do that. I mean, because here's where, if you want a jumping off point, if people want to talk about RPOs, Pat Mahomes, that dude is fun to watch. We he is about, fun to watch. I mean, this is... That offense is very good. This rides between football and random things, but uh, Pat Mahomes, between like Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid and that offense, and then the Sean McVay, Jared Goff, LA Rams offense... I will stand firmly on the stance of every quarterback in the history of the world has been a system quarterback because you have to have a quarter, a coach that allows them to be put in the system. Like even Peyton Manning, like if they had a coach that was like Vince Lombardi, that was like, damn it, you're doing it my way. Peyton Manning probably wouldn't have been that good because the reason he was good is because he was smarter than everybody. And so he could change everything. And if the coach didn't let him change anything, they would have butted heads. He would have been able to practice. He wouldn't have been able to perform. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady, they let him to sit in the pocket. If they made him run more or bootleg more or be more active. He would suck, not suck. He just wouldn't be Tom Brady. Like the, the, every coach, quarter, every quarterback that's been great has had a coach that's allowed them to be great. And right now it's fun to watch. So we're talking about RPOs. We could talk about RPOs. I could talk about Pat Mahomes. We'll talk about RPOs. The questions are in there. It's just they're mixed in with other things. With the random things. With the random things. All right. We need to get a quick word from Iowa Diamond, and then we will dive into the mailbag here on Football and Random Things on the Cycling Fanatic Podcast Network. This is Iowa Diamond President Chuck Kuba. After 20 years of serving engagement and wedding couples, I can't help but reflect back on the thousands of wonderful folks we've helped and ask myself, how can we be so lucky? Is it our incredible ring selection or the quiet private atmosphere? Then came the epiphany. Out of all the people in the world, we make you feel like you are the most important people in the world. Because at that moment, to all of us at Iowa Diamond, you are. Visit us at iowadiamond.com or in person anytime. You'll see what I mean. All right, time to empty out the mailbag. Open up the mailbox, per se. If you will. If, If you will, yeah. This question comes from, all right, first of all... Is this through the the Twitter sphere? uh, Both. The first segment will be all questions from Twitter. The second segment will be questions from 
the forums. Okay. Sound good? Mm-hmm. All right. Question one. John Schaefer from Channel 5. Okay. If you were a player, what would you want for your post-game meal traveling home? TCU had Chick-fil-A. Mm. Oklahoma State had Qdoba. Mm. What would you want most? Uh, so I'm going to speak from personal experience on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the best surprise, it wasn't even necessarily a surprise the second time. We played down in Oklahoma. Uh, we got Zaxby's. No, take it back. We got Raisin Cane's. Excuse me, not Zaxby's. We yeah. got Raisin Cane's, and it definitely wasn't around in Iowa at the time. And you get that cane sauce, and it was, uh, it was like a colder-ish game. Yeah. So you got these like nice warm chicken wings with the Raisin Cane sauce. Like That was the best little mini surprise. The other fun ones, not like when you're traveling back from, um, from like you know, wherever, West Virginia. Like You're not necessarily traveling back with these, but you get at the end of a game because like the people like seem like, oh, you're getting a whole bunch of food. Like, true. We, uh, we also did just play a competitive football game in front of 60,000 people. I think we're entitled to a pizza. Mm-hmm. But you also kind of, we also kind of forget, like, do you realize how hungry you get by the end of a game? Because the, the, the way it works is before, like three hours before the game, it, you get to the stadium, three or four hours, depending on the coach. Like, I think it's three for us. So you get to the stadium three hours before the game, you had eaten about 45 minutes before that. And then kind of throughout that three-hour period, they have like, they call them honey stinger bars. They're just, you know, little, just carbs, like nothing but carbs. So you have like snacks, like the equivalent of goldfish for adults. Yeah. For like three or four hours before the game. And then let's say, so let's say like West Virginia, like 6 p.m. kickoff. So your last meal was at 2. Game kicks off at 6. You've had goldfish from 2 to 6. Game goes from 6 to 9.30. You've also expended a ton of energy and you have the post game speech. You go to interviews. You go like shower off. It's eleven fifteen before you get out, and you are used to a nine thousand calorie a day diet. Mm-hmm. So your last full meal was at two, and they hand you a pizza, <laughs> like a, a whole pizza. Because <laughs> like, all right, we have to buy a ridiculous volume of food. Uh, you oh shit! Just call Domino's. Like we need, <laughs> yeah. we need a lot of pizzas, and you just get a stack of pizzas. Or like, um, they'll get like Hickory Park would sometimes for home games would just like have a bag, like a a pre-packed bag, like with little containers of like pulled pork and whatever. Those are always really good. Um, but like you just get a a, a sack of food, which yeah. is for most humans like a full day. But for a football player, it's like all right, what I finish this? Is there more? <laughs> And then you're at home trying to find more to eat. Trying to find something else. Yeah. Uh, all of that sounds all that sounds good. When I played at Simpson, every away game we had, except for one. Well, actually, our pregame meal, multiple times, our coach took us to Burger King. Mm. Uh, Fuel up. Yeah. Fuel uh, up. But then after every other game, we would get Domino's, and you would split a large pizza with somebody else on the team. <laughs> And we did that, you know, we probably played 30 games. So we did that probably 15 or 16 times during the year. <laughs> I don't, there was a period of my life where I don't think I, or I seriously thought I would never want to eat a Domino's pizza again in my entire life. That I, changed. Yeah, it did. I, yeah, it definitely did. That changed. Uh, all right. So that's that. Um, by the way, Brazen Canes is awesome. Raising canes is awesome. Yeah. The cane sauce for that, because they've never had it before. It's just a bunch of, I mean, I grew up in Iowa. Like, that's a definitely, it's a distinctly Southern thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have it West Des Moines now, though. Yeah, it was a distinctly Southern thing. Yeah. And, um, Worth it for the trip to West, West Des Moines. Yeah, get the cane sauce. Get yeah. the chicken fingers with cane sauce. Yeah, it's uh, very good. And I'm, 
again, I, I own a gym. Like I'm not advertising people eat fried chicken all the time, but like just as a, as a thing that you should do once in a while, if you're looking for like, ah, I just, you know what? It's a Friday night. I've eaten clean all day. I've worked out like four times this week. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm going to spoil myself with some garbage food that makes you feel terrible, but taste delicious. Raisin Cane's. There you go. All right. This uh, question comes from Alex Gugan. The ultimate cyclone weekend is approaching. This is for the weekend of 11-9 through 11-11. Women's basketball at noon versus Niagara. Men's basketball at 6 versus Mizzou. Volleyball against West Virginia at Hilton. Football against Baylor at Jack Trice Stadium. Wrestling against Southern Illinois something. I don't know who this even would be. SIUE. Don't know what that is. At noon, it's at Stevens Auditorium and then women's basketball against Yale at 2 p.m. at Hilton. What are the chances the Cyclones sweep the weekend? Who are they playing? Lots so of football, I would assume, wins. Yeah, against Baylor. Uh, I would go with men's basketball beating SIUE. No, they play Missouri. Oh, Missouri. On Friday night. Ooh, that's a good one. But Jonte Porter towards ACL. Okay, well, that's good. I would, um, I would say that's a win. I would hope that the women will beat Niagara. That's a definite hope. I would hope they will also beat Yale. And, oh, it's wrestling is yeah. the those SIUE. Are the, those are the two that I was, uh, I was questioning. Volleyball against West Virginia. I don't know what West Virginia volleyball is I like. don't know anything about that. No, and I know that Iowa State beat Kansas yesterday in volleyball, but I don't know much else besides that. Well, I, I feel like... The odds are slim. I was just say that's a lots that's lots of sports to win. Like if you're if you're doing a parlay in Vegas, you'd win some serious money off this just by the sheer volume of picks that you'd have to consecutively get right. I would like to know what when the last time Iowa State Athletics won, went six and zero on a weekend in combined sports in four sports basically four teams. It'd be impressive. That would be very impressive. I don't know if that's a thing. I mean that's. It would only happen like twice a week, maybe a once, year. once a year. Yeah, where that there would be all of those things at once. I'd... Well, I mean, assuming that, well, I don't know what like the tennis and golf teams' schedules are. Yeah, I don't know either. But And the fact that just all of those things are in Ames on the same weekend. That's kind of crazy too. zoo. Yeah, it's going to be a busy weekend. I would, Wait, I don't... Can I ask a question? Yeah. Uh, is technically Incarnate Word our senior night then? Like, what are they doing for senior night? Uh, I mean, I guess it probably... Depends. I don't know. No, I would think they would do it against Kansas State because that was planned so far in advance. I'm sure there were people that had like made plans to travel and stuff like that. I was going to say, because that seems like senior night and then you get another home game. Woo! Maybe. Hopefully they don't. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they don't get another home game. Yeah, hopefully they don't. I am not going to hold my breath on it, but no. potentially. Potentially they wouldn't. They potentially would not. Because they have two losses in conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would mean... Basically, they got to win They have out. to win out, and either Texas or Oklahoma has to lose once. Yes. It's possible. It is possible. I Probable? would take Texas to lose before OU. Pro- well, they would have to lose to Iowa State well, I mean, and ha- somebody else. That's too. what I mean. It's like I would take yeah. Texas to lose twice before I would take Oklahoma to lose once. Yeah. Uh, like I said, possible, yes. Probable, no. Probably not. Because I don't know how much faith I would put in Iowa State winning. Five in a row to end the season. Six. Well, it actually would be seven. Seven. Oh, yeah, because Oklahoma State. Yeah. I don't know. That would be like the greatest stretch of football in the history of is Iowa there, State. There is, there ha, is there been another seven win? Has, been, has there been a seven-game win streak? Did they start, they the start about 6-0 oh 
that year with Seneca, right? Was that what it was? Five and zero. Well, said not seven. No, they weren't undefeated. They lost to Florida State that year, didn't they? Yeah. I can't even remember, dude. I don't know. I don't think so. Where's Bloom when you need him? Yeah, exactly. Brent Bloom, tweet at us if you know the answer to this question while you're listening. Um, all right. From Brianna Walton. Football. She's got two questions. Football one. Who is the best Iowa State quarterback of all time, and mm. what are the odds Purdy gains that title at some point? Whew. I mean, I would say Seneca is probably the best quarterback of all time, right? That's, you have to go with Seneca as yeah. far as quarterbacks. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a three, two-and-a-half-man race. Like you'd, I think it's Seneca, Sage, and Arnaud. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, Meyer, you'd kind of, I feel like, would be in that. Meyer's in it. Uh, the, as far as the stats yeah like peripherally yeah but like from a production to wins standpoint i feel like seneca and sage are the two that actually right did something like and i love Arnaud dearly but like we won some with him we didn't win a lot with him uh so i, I think seneca has to be that and per, we are we are two games yeah. into brock purdy and we're <laughs> seeing if he's going to be the best Iowa State quarterback of all time. The kid can't even legally drink. Like, let's let's settle that down for a second. The kid can barely even legally like go to a strip club. Yeah, he can't buy. He could buy a knife now. I think that's how the word like a a knife above like three inches. He could actually buy mm-hmm. as of this year. Um, he could buy fireworks. Yeah, he could. Uh, he could buy a jewel if he wanted to. Neat. Good for him. He's 18. It's yeah. I don't, I don't know where, how I want to, uh, I, I don't know if it like, okay. So what are the odds that Brock Purdy takes that over? I'm not even going to wager a guess. He has the capacity and the coaching staff. We, I mean, really this can, can parlay back a little bit to what we talked about with Mahomes is he's got a system that is built for success for him. Yeah. So you have, I mean, Dave Montgomery is really good. Makes it really easy to be a really good quarterback when you got a really good running back. Well, they've also got guys in the hopper that are really good behind him, uh, behind Montgomery. And you have big wide receivers that are good. And as soon as Butler's a junior, he's going to go next year. He'll be a senior. And then after that, he'll graduate. By that time, he'll be a junior. Tariq Milton will then be a junior after that with, like, with him. And you have you know Josh Johnson. You'll have other guys that are talented. And this, the right. system is set up to succeed for him. But there is still a lot that has to be accomplished. And we always... You know, projecting out in the future is also really hard because the more film someone has on you, the more someone knows about you. Mm-hmm. So you can find tendencies and you can find like Iowa State shut down Will Greer. Will Greer is a really good quarterback, but there's a lot of film on Will Greer to let people know what he doesn't like. And so now I, I don't know who has the capacity in the rest of the conference to shut down Will Greer like that. I think Texas does. Um, TCU? No, I don't think they do. I think they're bad. Uh, they used to, uh, never mind, but like Texas and Iowa state, it's about where it, it's about where it lies. Yeah. And so you've got teams that can like copy. So like I would see Texas probably do similar things to Will Greer that Iowa state did to him. And so now like you project that three and a half years forward with Brock Purdy, like there are going to be things that he's going to give, he's going to indicate that like he likes to do and that he doesn't like to do. Yeah. So it, to project him as the best of all time. Let's 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 put that torch down for a second. I don't even know what I don't even know what it would take for someone to surpass him for to, to surpass Seneca. Seneca. Um, I mean, I, I I just think the like pure excitement that Seneca generated while he was, you know, I mean the run and like all that kind of stuff. That guy was like a he he was like a one man wrecking crew. I will say you know? this point that the two. Um, I think the two positions, three positions, excuse me, 
well, I guess one position, two sports, but like there are certain positions in sports that are, that are uh, scored differently, kind of looked at differently than any other position in that sport. It's quarterback, point guard, and goalie in hockey and soccer. Like those, those positions are, are different than any other position where you're almost exclusively scored on wins. Like if you are like, that's why, you know, Blake Bortles last year, people were like, oh, he's a pretty darn good quarterback. This year he got benched. Yeah. Statistics. He's thrown for more yards. Granted, he's, he's got picked off a lot, but he won. And so your job as a quarterback, your job as a point guard is to win. So like Monte Morris or Deontay Garrett, like Deontay Garrett is arguably a flashier player. He's more exciting player, but Monte was just solid. And he won lots of games. He doesn't do anything wrong and won a lot of games. And so I'm winning his player in school history. I would say with uh, Purdy, he doesn't have to, to, in order to be quote better than Seneca in my mind is he doesn't have to be flashier than Seneca. No one's going to be flashier than Seneca. I mean, not no one, but it's going to take a lot to mm-hmm. be flashier than Seneca Wallace. What it will take to be better than him is consistently do stuff like they're starting to do this season. Yeah. And last year they go, you know, they win eight games. And this year they win, presumably, let's say they win seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. And then the next year they win eight, nine, ten. And there's something like that. And you're winning consistently eight, nine, ten, eleven, something like that games throughout the year. Yeah. I don't think there's any argument then that you would be the best quarterback in Iowa State history because one pretty low bar in mean, no offense. We don't have a lot. Well, I will say too, that there's a reason that Sage is in that conversation over some guys who, I mean, Brett Meyer put up better stats, played more at Iowa State than Sage ever did, but, he, Sage but, he, but he never won like Sage did. Right. And I mean, Seneca's is, they never won as much as Sage did either, but his was just so pure talent. Like he was just clearly so much better than everybody else on the football field right. half the time. That is like, yeah. That guy's really good. So I would say the answer to what would it take for him to be known as the best is win. I will say he's set up well to flat out win. Do that. Yeah. The, the, the organization is built up around him. I think a lot sturdier than any other, any other quarterback ever at Iowa state. I mean, McCarney, everybody loves McCarney, but like there were years when they sucked. Yeah. And there were even weeks that they would come out and just lay an egg and get beat by 40. And then the next week, come back and play pretty well. And, we, you know, when Rhodes was there, we were the same way. We'd come out one week and play really well. And the next week, get drubbed by somebody mm-hmm. or lose a game you shouldn't lose. Where this week, I mean, this coaching staff, even from the time they got there, when they did only win three games, you never really saw them towards, especially towards the tail end of that season. They never got killed. They never got blown out. They were m- much more consistent and much more stable. So I think Purdy is set up to succeed very well. But again, we've seen a grand total of like, Seven and a half quarters of the kid play. Yeah. Let's relax. Relax for a second. Just listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. (laughs) Listen to your own soul. We're meditating. Uh, All right. Her second question. What is the best bar in Campus Town? I think this is a no-brainer, in my opinion. I want to hear your thoughts first. Mm. Hmm. Uh, They're different now. Well, yeah. Than when I was there. Not that much different, though. <sighs> okay, what was the best when you were there, then? I didn't really go out that much. If I was going to go have a good time, I was going to go to somebody's house. Mm. I wasn't going to go... House party guy. Not necessarily even a house party guy. Just, like, I didn't like to be around giant crowds. Because I always would be the person, like, when people would... Like, when I would, you know, be in a crowd of people that would be drinking. Someone gets to be a drunk, belligerent asshole then I feel responsible because I'm generally like, it takes me a lot to get 
like lose control of myself. Like, yeah. It takes a lot for me to get drunk. Like mathematically, like 10. I'm like, all right, I, I probably shouldn't drive. I'm not going to drive, but I still can think. Yeah. Uh, so it takes a lot. And so I'm usually the soberest one there. And so somebody's being a drunk belligerent asshole. I'm like, all right, well, let's go take care of this person. Make sure they get outside and get them a ride. And all of a sudden I go back in. There's somebody else being a so drunk you're belligerent drunk asshole. Dad. You're so I'm drunk, drunk dad, dad yeah. all the time. And so if I'm going to go drink, I'm going to have like four people around. And if someone's being a drunk belligerent asshole, you put them in a couch and you keep going. Like <laughs> generally speaking. So I don't have a tremendous amount of experience. I think the one that I would usually go to if we were going would be size, but that's kind of, again, I don't have a tremendous, I don't have a wealth of experience in that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm big Welch and station guy. That's just, that's the vibe that I generally prefer. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, not a, not a thing that I did much. Okay. I would, yeah. I would, uh, like I said, I'd rather be in a small group than having to take care of somebody pissing themselves and falling over into a lamppost, generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, luckily enough for me, none of my, there was very few times in which my friends ever did anything like that. I have one friend who's a serial fall asleep in the shower guy when he's drunk Ooh, neat. and he gets really drunk and he's like, I need to just take a shower to calm down. No, you and don't. then it's, and then he wakes up the next morning. He's still in the shower. Uh, all right. This one's from ISU burner account. Which big 12 mascot would you least like to be trapped in a haunted house with? Mm. I think this is another no brainer. I think the Mountaineer, man, I, I would not want to be in a dark room with pistol Pete from Oklahoma state. Oh God, you're, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Oh, oh, forgot about him. That's a creepy son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how heavy that head is too? Oh, I'm it's sure like it's 40 real pounds. Yeah. Like that yeah. head, that, the, that creepy ass head. Oh, you know what else is weird? The wildcat. I was just going to say Willie, the wildcat no, messes the wild me up, cat. dude. <laughs> because how cheap are they? I <laughs> can't even spare some hands for him. Well, yeah, that's what I, Rob and I were talking about this when we were down there last year. How how have they been able to get away for this long with, they're like, yeah, our mascot, we just gave him a head. <laughs> That's a wildcat. He's, he's, got, he's got human hands and a wildcat head. It's like a centaur, but like, a, like a, a wildcat version. I just want, like, part of me wants to make a donation to Kansas State purely so that they can complete the rest of the suit. And it doesn't even have to be, like, a lot. You can just give them, like, tan gloves. Yeah. It's like, go to Shields and get some tan gloves. And, that's, and just put like a long sleeve on him, and there you go. Right. Boom. Completes the look. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't understand. What's the aesthetic they're going for? Are they going for incredibly weird and terrifying? Because if that is the case, then <laughs> they it. succeed. Nailed it. If they yeah. went for weird, they nailed it. Granted, he is good. Like, you talk about, like, working the crowd, like, mascot skills. Willie the Wildcat has got mascot skills. That guy's always jacked, too. Yeah. I swear you got to be on some steroids to be Willie the Wildcat. Uh, I've seen skinny Willies. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that I was going to say that. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but no. Still true. Still uh, true. <laughs> back to uh, Pistol Pete. I think, uh, yeah, I think Pistol Pete, he's, uh, he, he's up there. Uh, the Mountaineer, though. Like, I mean, it's a human, but the dude has a, like, he's, he's still stuck in, like, 1870. Like, Man. anybody that's still stuck in, like, 1870 is really not somebody that I'm like, yeah. And spend close quarters with that dude. Think if you saw the the Mountaineer like on campus, not dressed as the Mountaineer. That would be a trip. You know? Does he still have the coonskin cap on? 
I can't imagine he does like all the time, you know, but like the, if you're that mascot, everybody knows who you are. You know, if you're Psy, nobody knows who you are unless you tell people Psy's I'm real. Psy. Psy's real. Jeff, I don't know how to tell you this. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, but that one or like the one at, uh, at Notre Dame, the, the Irish guy, yeah, the Irish guy, like everybody would know it's like, I have seen that guy somewhere. I don't know where. And then you see him on TV and you're like, oh my God, there he that is. guy's in my comm class. I s- is this Mark? <laughs> Mark is the mountaineer? This is weird. But he's uh, got a, he also got a gun. Yeah. It's pseudo functioning, right? Like it's at least a cap gun. Right. Yeah. He could, he could fire that thing. Yeah. Man, I, the will, uh, that pistol Pete. Pistol Pete and Willie the Wildcat. That is are, creepy. Yeah, the Pistol Pete is Pistol Pete is, is scary. super creepy. And especially because like like his, he has like that those like deep soulless eyes mm-hmm. that just stare. I don't know what it is about mascots named Pete, but Purdue Pete is scary too. That's another Well, he's got pipes, doesn't he? No, like, he's got the same kind of head style. Mm. The big old head and like carries around his like sledgehammer. The horn frog's also kind of weird, but it's it representative of the thing. Yeah. See, that's what, uh, that's what, I mean, I just feel like Purdue Pete, like Pistol Pete, Willie, like those Purdue Pete and Pistol Pete specifically are like stuck in an era of college athletics that I just, I think that we should just avoid at all times because you know those things also, are scary. You know, the it's other just one? like old side, dude, the old side is terrifying. Yeah. Old side. Yeah. Uh, you all know another like mascot that I think is just weird is the Nittany Lion. It's like someone just like sewed together some towels, and we're like, step in this. It's loose fitting. And then threw a scarf on it. And threw a scarf on. I'm like, all right, shoot, we gotta make this thing look like a like a Penn State thing. Yeah. Like they went and got like a children like a big children's cat costume for Halloween, and then put a scarf on him, and mm-hmm. we're like, all right, go to town. Like it's loot, it's floppy. Right. It doesn't fit. Yeah, I'll never understand. That thing has to be old because there's no way you keep that around without tradition. So could you imagine the way that thing smells? Man, I can't imagine it's like a dirty how gym any bag. of those things smell. Dude. Think how bad you'd sweat like in those costumes in, in the August. middle of August. Yeah. Or at, awful. or at Hilton. Right. You're walking around Hilton. Man, there's nothing like running. Maybe into, that's why running into Cy like in the bowels of Hilton, and you know that they're kind of like they're, they're I feel off, like you he's like, off duty. Yeah, like he's on duty because I feel like every time that you're in the costume, like you're probably supposed to be like on act, like acting like Cy, you know? But at the same time, you can tell that they think that they're like, Oh yeah, nobody's around I now. Can take <laughs> I can fart now. <laughs> <laughs> the other one Could I don't you imagine getting crop dusted by Cy. Is like as I've seen Cy do some do some as, things. as he's walking walking by the student section just <laughs> What what is that? <laughs> Damn it! Did you do that? I think side. It would probably it would probably smell like a combination of fart and mustiness, like from the <laughs> costume, you know. It's like like a like a dirty gym shoe that stepped in poop. <laughs> the other one I don't understand about is, uh, understand is Seymour from uh, Miami. Like that one is another one. Oh, the I'm duck. Like, I mean, he's not a duck. He's like a. I mean, to be like fair, a herring or something. To be fair, like tornado chicken, like. We used to be the Cardinals. There's the there's the story on that, but like, there has to be something with Miami that we just don't know. Yeah, because it'd be really random to be like, all right, bird, you're a hurricane now. It's like, hey, Cardinal, chicken, you're a cyclone. 
Okay, Mitch V. We talked a lot about mascots today. This is going exactly how I anticipated it would go. Mitch V says he's got two questions too. What is David Montgomery's biggest weakness? First of all, does um, he have one? I would say there's two that are, are minor. One is more of a thing, and he's actually starting to correct it this year. Last year, he wouldn't carry the ball in his right hand. He would always carry it in his left hand. Uh-huh. And uh, he's left-handed, so he feels more comfortable, feels more secure keeping the ball there. Um, but if you're bouncing out to the right, then you don't have that free hand to extend plays with. Right. Um, he's doing a better job of this. He's actually using his right hand, but he still will predominantly go left-handed, which is not a huge thing. Um, it's because it's more secure. You're going to fumble less. Uh, with that style of of thing, but you also are going to like that play that he busted that fourth and one play. He wouldn't been able to fight off one or two of those defenders towards the goal line had he had that ball in his left hand. Mm-hmm. So it'll get you an extra three, four, five yards at the end of a play. Um, the other one is, I think, and he's again. This is we talked about this earlier in the season. That like he people forget that uh, he's only played running back for this is his third year now. He played yeah. quarterback always before then. And so he's getting better at this. So again, these, the, the, the arm one is probably the biggest quote weakness. This one, the other one is like his steps sometimes can be a little frantic because he'll see that there's something or see, he'll see that there's nothing and, and lose a little bit of footwork. But that it rarely happens. And if it does happen, he generally will make something out of it anyway. But I would say the biggest thing that I would notice is that he's, and he's working on both of them, is actively trying to change them, is putting the ball in his right hand when he needs to be on the right side of the field and then making sure his steps, no matter what the play is going to be, his, his steps are consistent. But there's, I mean, that's nitpicky. Yeah. That's very nitpicky. I would take, if those are your weaknesses, I will take that in a heartbeat. Uh, what is the best flavor of Skittle? Can I... I don't think that Skittles taste really any different. I don't either. On, yeah, okay. But I'm going to go with purple. Okay. Like, now that I think about it, though, I I do feel like they taste a little bit different. I don't eat Skittles very often, though. I'm going to go with purple. Okay. Fair and enough. What flavor is that? I don't know. I don't know. Purple? I would assume grape. Do you call Gatorade colors by their name or by their color? If anyone calls Gatorade flavors by their actual name then they're probably a communist that's all i'll say i have the give me an orange gatorade a red gatorade i always have and then even like there's multiple shades of blue you go with light blue and dark blue right and uh this i have i always come in with two gatorades that i get from the cooler out in the office and uh one is red and one is blue that's sort of just the red and blue uh one is glacier freeze anybody asked for a glacier freeze (laughs) Gatorade, just slap them in the mouth. It's just like if somebody says, uh, I want a yellow Gatorade, and then somebody asks you, which kind of yellow? It's like, you know what yellow? It's the one that looks like a, a yellow highlighter that is <laughs> 37% sugar and like 5% water, like that kind of. Yeah. So I, I don't know what flavor Skittles. It's purple. It's purple. Okay. Uh, from Lee. If you could rewind your life while keeping your current knowledge and wisdom, what age would you pick? He says, I'd pick my 21st birthday. Don't want to go back to not being able to buy alcohol. I'd also do way better on interviews trying to get my first job. I'd go back right before I got to Iowa State because I feel like I work a lot smarter now than I did when I was in college. Like, I worked hard. Like, I've never not worked hard. Mm Mm-hmm. Just what something dad was a farmer, went to the air force and went to construction like that type of 
Like this is how things are done. It's just always how like I've existed. But as I've gotten like older, you work smarter. So like the metaphor I have for this is like, if somebody jumps into a pool and they just start wildly flailing their arms around, they're working really hard, but they're not really getting anywhere. Yeah. So now, like, I feel like I'm a much better swimmer in this metaphor where I may not be as fast, uh, like may not have like, you know, the same amount of whatever, but I work a lot smarter. Um, and so I know like better how to prioritize doing stuff, better know how to, um, I'm a better communicator now than I was when I was in college. I would say I would like to go back to right before I got to Iowa State to know how to better work for things because I feel like I would have played a bigger offense, not to say bigger offensive role, but like a bigger um, ball carrying role because I can understand now why I wouldn't get carries because I, I had certain weaknesses that I didn't address like I needed to because I just kept trying to do the things I was good at and I never really worked at the things that I wasn't. And so I tried to, but you know, there's a difference between working hard and working smart. So I think I would, that's what I would do is taking this knowledge level and work ethic and going back to the start of college. Yeah, it's actually probably what I would say too, because I, I went into college with basically no understanding or like model of what it took to be a good basketball player outside of just like being good at basketball mm -hmm. in high school. Uh, and it took until I got really even out of playing where it was like, man, I could have been really good if I would have actually like worked out on my own and stuff like that and not just went to practice and did that stuff. And well, I would have actually like put in work on my own things like that. I just, mm -hmm. But when I was growing up, I didn't have anybody there that was pushing me to do anything like that to make myself better. You want to know what else I would do? What? If I went back and told 18-year-old me, I would force myself to take coding classes, computer oh. coding classes. Mm -hmm. Force myself. Like, hey, 18-year-old, go learn how to code at least as a minor. And that is going to make you so much better at your, so much more valuable. So if anybody, if you are in high school or even you know, like lower college, take a coding class. The world is becoming much more digital. The world is becoming much more automated. Yeah. And so if you have the skill to control the automation, then you become much more valuable. Well, that's the thing I'm trying to learn, not necessarily coding, but just basically how the internet works, like SEO and like making sure things are optimized for everything. So like that, I would tell Jeff, like one, do smarter things in football, not necessarily just work harder. And two, go pick up a damn computer. Okay, from Kevin Russell. With black uniforms showing up against West Virginia, what would be Iowa State's next uniform addition? Would we be more like Oregon and have a bunch of options or like Oklahoma State and have a bunch of variety? He says he would like to see red chrome face masks on the black helmets. What would you like to Ooh, see, that'd Jeff? That would be fancy. That would be neat. Um, I think that being able to intermix those things would be neat. So I, I love, I think Oklahoma State is my favorite uniform school because they just have, they don't do like a whole bunch of stuff. Like Oregon gets just new crap all the time. And some of it's gross. They've, they've actually gone away from that now, like to the point where they only have their four combinations and they just rotate through the four combinations. And it's because of the fact that everybody else does those things. So they're like, it's we, no, no longer novel. Yeah, it's like we did that and it was cool. And it's like now we'll just do our four things and it's like our four things will all be cool, but we might not make it on the uniform segment every week, but it'll still be cool. So yeah. I, but I think oh, I love the way Oklahoma State does theirs. One, just because I love that color scheme. Orange is my favorite color. And so like being able to mix those in where you have 
uh, black helmet, orange jersey, and white pants, or you know, being able to mix the the stuff in. Um, so I think it would be cool just to be able to to alternate those. I'm going to take a like a cop out of that. Just being able to be creative with the uniform combinations, and they did the last years where they didn't yeah. wear the same combination once. But if you can add, you know, uh, uh, cardinal like a yellow, a white, a black, and a red, and you know maybe some other like color like a gray or something like that. And so then you can kind of mix together those five pants options, those five jersey options, and helmets. You can put like a mat, a chrome, a whatever, whatever, whatever. Then you can have you know hundreds of options if you just have what five of each. Mm-hmm. I don't know without. I don't remember how that math works, but is that hundreds? Um, yeah, I'm sure that some way that there it could. Yeah, I mean, just all the different kinds of combinations. Because it's five times five times five times five times five. Not very good at these things. So it's twenty five hundred twenty five options. Uh, did you see the uniforms Oklahoma State's going to wear this weekend? No, I didn't. They are the Barry Sanders era oh, ones. They're awesome, dude. Right. They look really cool. Orange with the stripes in the sleeves. Mm-hmm. All right. From Chris Miller, will we see the defense blitz more like it has been the last few weeks for the rest of the season? Seems to have been a game changer. And then also, how will opposing defenses challenge Purdy and the RPO? Uh, okay, so I'll answer question one first. Um, probably. So I, you're probably going to see a lot more... Uh, aggression. A lot more aggression. Uh, especially against teams... Well, it kind of depends. So, like, teams like Kansas are... Kansas is getting better. Like, objectively, they're improving. Still, they're getting their asses kicked pseudo-regularly, but it's not every single week. So they're getting better, but they're still really inconsistent. And so a team like Kansas, you can force the issue, but you also don't need to. You don't need to force the issue and give yourself the susceptibility to them catching you on one. Um, Because anytime you blitz, you're adding someone towards the quarterback, but you're reducing someone between you and the end zone. So your your risk reward goes up and your reward go or your reward goes up but your risk goes up and so a team like Kansas you can play it probably a little safer because you don't need to blitz as much you don't need to send 30% 40% pressure you can just send 5 10% pressure 15 something like that and you can still get those effective blitzes but you're you can also rely on them just screwing up like i mean we talked about it before that's why Iowa's been so successful forever that's why Iowa State's now becoming successful. It's the same model is I dare you to do the, the same thing right 14 times in a row. You're not going to. And so the past few weeks, they've been forcing the issue because people have been expecting passive. And so a team like Kansas, you probably won't need to, to do all of that. But a team like Kansas State, you really got to force the issue against Kansas State because I dare you to do it right 14 times in a row. They want four yards. Like if they get nine yards in a play, it's like, oh God, that we can't do that against too much they're gonna score too fast like the the patience that they have is ridiculous yeah and so with kansas state you can't just play them down the field and be like all right take four yards take four yards because they'll be like all right we'll take four yards and we'll take four we'll take another four we'll take another seven another four another four and then all of a sudden you're 13 play drive and your time of possession is like 41 minutes in their favor so a team like kansas state you can i would say with kansas you don't um, the way that you, the, to answer question two, um, you, to, to f- treat an RPO, and I didn't play defense, so I don't know this as confidently as, as it may seem, but if I'm looking at when, when we would do an RPO, is you force the option. And so you don't react to the option, is you force them to go where you want them to. So like, 
if they're going to do an RPO, like, and they come out in any given set, like, you have to, one, identify the potential that they have for an RPO. Like, you know, Tariq Milton's on one side, and Dave Montgomery and Brock Purdy's there. So, like, you're going to want to force them to find, so find the least of the options, and then let them take that. So, like, the least of the options in this right would actually probably be Brock Purdy running. And so, like, let's say, you know, option one is a handoff to Montgomery, option two is a pass to, or is a slant route to Butler behind him. And option number three is a, a bubble to Tariq Milton. He's going to read, you know, one to two to three. And so the, I would rather not have Tariq Milton or Hakeem Butler or Dave Montgomery have the ball. And so I'm going to play to give the, the, the least of those options the best chance to succeed. And so I'm going to play the other ones, rely on the quarterback and then tackle it at four yards or tackle it at two yards or whatever. And eventually the patient forced them to be patient again, force Iowa state to be patient and take three yards at a time and take four yards at a time because their best option is the, the best option given is the worst option that you could use. So a team that is going to do well against a RPO is a team that's extremely disciplined and can identify quickly. So it's a very smart team. Um, I think the, the Todd Orlando, Texas Longhorn team has enough talent to, even if they're a little wrong can still, for the most part, like make up for stuff. Yeah. Um, they also have the potential because they're a little bit undisciplined to get gashed by that. Um, which Oklahoma showed at times. Right. So I would think that the, the way that you defend, um, the Iowa state RPO style offense is you make them do the thing they want to do the least where they still want to do it, but I would rather, give it to Montgomery. I would rather throw it to Hakeem Butler. I'd rather throw it to Deshante Jones, but you're going to make me keep it with Brock Purdy or whatever. And so you identify on film the looks that you're susceptible to and then think that like play chess with them that they're going to make them pick the one you want them to pick rather than standing on your heels and letting them choose. Austin Lenz asks, who would win in a four-team tournament? A team of David Montgomery's, a mm. team of all Hakeem Butler's, a team of all Brock Purdy's, or a team of all Jaquan Bailey's. I'm just going to start off and say that Brock Purdy's the, team is gets, not going to win. He gets run out of the gym. Yeah. I'm gonna, David Montgomery wins, I think, because uh, Jaquan Bailey has to run then, and uh, I don't think that's going to go that well. And Butler would have to be nasty. And, and block people, which would be fine, like against most other humans. But uh, Dave Montgomery is a, is a bowling ball. Yeah. Like I would trust him to block and run at the same time against anyone. Yeah. If like, I, I would believe it if somebody told me that Dave Montgomery was going to play any position on the field. You're like, all right, he's going to play. Like, we want him to play the kind of a stand up end. We want to play the Spencer Benton position. You're like, all right. Yeah. I, mean, I, could, like a, I could see it. It's like a weird idea, but I'm down. <laughs> Do uh, you know what this reminds me of, though, as a team of all something versus a team of all something is NCAA mascot games? Yeah, dude, those were the best. Uh, Back to the mascots. You'd always pick the weirdest ones, like the Stanford tree. Like, you always pick the Stanford tree. I just still don't understand versus the how Syracuse, he was able to carry the ball. Versus the Syracuse orange. That's usually the go-to that mm -hmm. I would go with when, in uh, 13, not 14. Like I said, I still don't understand how the tree could carry the ball because he doesn't have arms. Well, it sticks. Like, how does a football get stuck in a tree? Like, in, a, in real trees. It's like it goes through the But leaves. how are they handing the ball to each other? <laughs> or throwing true. the ball? That, the throwing part, that throws me for a loop. I don't know how you get that done. Also, I feel like Sparty would be the best. Like, the best real football player. Sparty would have to be, wouldn't he? 
Yeah, he'd be up there. Uh, the dude's yoked. Yeah. Sparty. Um, isn't the Duke Blue Devil pretty ripped, too? Yeah. But I think, I mean, he doesn't have that butt chin. I feel like the Sun Devil would be really fast. Like the Arizona State Sun Devil. I, we probably should, uh, we need a, a mascot day. Well, they're all, they're all like 99s on that game. I'm well, that's sure. true. Yeah. So it's basically you're playing with two teams of just straight 99s. And Dave Montgomery. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right. This is from John Dixon. Just, just for you. What is your favorite CrossFit workout and what CrossFit movement do most people do wrong? Ooh, favorite CrossFit movement or favorite CrossFit workout. Um, I'm, uh, my favorite things are anything where you stand there and just move a barbell around. Like that's all I did for, with football for a really long time. So that's the thing I'm the best at. So the one that comes to mind is DT, which is five rounds of 12 deadlifts, nine hang power cleans. So it starts at your waist, ends up on your shoulder. And then six push jerks and starts in your shoulder, ends up over your head. Um, weights 155 for guys, 105 for gals. So that is my, that DT is my favorite. It's named after a, I believe an army ranger that was killed in action. Um, so that's my favorite. Um, and what movement do most people get wrong? I, this sounds really like a little pretentious, but squatting, just any type of squat. And that comes from like a lot of times mobility issues, but it also comes from just not really being taught how to do it right Mm -hmm. because there's different angles for why you're doing something like power lifter squats are way different than, you know, and I don't know, can't speak to like a Farrell's or Kosam or something like that because I've never done it. But I think most of the places that, that don't have a defined outcome of, all right, I want you to squat 500 pounds. Okay. Well, why? Like, why do you want to squat 500 pounds? Well, what we do in... This is, I can speak to the general trend of CrossFit because this comes down from HQ and also it's what we practice is I don't want you to be good at it to be good at it. I want you to be good at it so you can do stuff in life. So I don't want you to lift 500 pounds if it means, you know, having to put knee wraps on, putting your feet super wide and like grip the barbell midway down your back so you can fold yourself down just low enough to get to the bar or to get to the depth and then stand it back up. Like that doesn't really translate to anything. If yeah. you're on the ground and you have to stand up and you only bend like to 90 degrees in your leg, you still don't have the strength through that full range of motion. And so our goal is that you come in and we get you as strong as we can through every range of motion. So you can walk up a really steep set of landscaping by getting your knee up high enough because that's pretty much squatting. So I think people squat wrong a lot just because they fundamentally do it differently than I think most places do. And so, like I said, I don't know about like a Farrell's or Kosama or whatever, but if you're trying to be healthy for the rest of your life, why you don't need to be squatting 500 pounds. If you do it wrong, it's, I'd rather you do 100 pounds or zero pounds, full range of motion, proper sound technique, make you safe through your joints. than trying to do as much weight as you can for the sake of doing really heavy weights. Like, cool. You can squat 500 pounds. Neat. Go run 5k. Yeah, there's a, I think there's a very clear difference. Like when you're in the gym, you can tell the people that are there. They're like, I'm lifting in here. Just this is I'm any do gym. as much weight. Yeah, gym. any yeah. gym. Yeah. And you're like, I'm here to look like a badass and make sure that everybody here knows I'm the strongest MFer in this place. You yeah. know? And then when there's a, and then there's somebody where you're like, that guy is just here because he wants to be fit. He wants and to just, be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or it's just like, I've. And he's like, I've lifted my whole life and this is just what I do to stay fit. Yeah. You know, this is a thing that it benefits my joints. It's good for my bones. 
I'm going to do this safely. And it just so happens that that guy who wants to look like a badass is always the one drawing the most attention to themselves while they do their lifts with by the, yelling and the 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 no shirt or like the string shirt. Yeah. With his head with his Beats headphone Bluetooth Beats headphones on. And it always every like lift they do takes is like a process. It's going to take them like 45 minutes to do three sets of squats, you know, because mm-hmm. they've got 500 pounds on the bar and it's like yeah, I did my three reps that I was going to do on this, and now I need to wait 10 minutes to rest so that I can do three more. What's funny is that, like, that guy would get buried in a college weight room. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, you want to do, all right, you're lifting something heavy. Like, we would come, you know, squat cycles and stuff, and uh, you'd get, you know, your, your, because they would always do three weeks heavy, you know, say week one is 70%, week two is 75%, week three is 80%, week four is deload week, so it's like 60%. And then you go up the next one, 75, 80, 85, down to whatever. And so like you're on week two of a cycle and you have like 405 on the bar because you know, you're strong mofos, you lift a whole bunch and you do a set of like five and then you kick off, the, like you're off the rack and the strength coach is like, all right, you got two and a half minutes coming back on to the next one. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're ready or not, you're going to be ready. And so guy who does that and takes like, Hey, I'm doing three by three today. Got about four hours in the gym. (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't buddy. Hop on the train. Like you got to do stuff. And and whenever I will be at the gym and that stuff happens, it makes me so mad. It's like, there's three squat racks in here, man. And you've been on this one for an hour. Like, and you've done two sets. Like get out of here, bro. Okay, pal. Free advertising for, uh, for, I mean, well, that's why we structure what you do. Like you come in, we tell you what to do. You don't have to have, you don't have to deal with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> that should be your ad. You don't have to deal with that guy. Just put a picture. Yeah. Of just the jackass squat rack. It's you pointing to him. You're just like, <laughs> if you come work out with us, you don't have to you deal, don't with, have that to deal guy. with this guy. Come on in. All right. From Matt Miller. This is the last one from Twitter. Does Jeff prefer Runnels, Altoona or Mitchellville? Hmm. Um, harder than you think. Uh, I would go with Altoona because there's more more things to do because mm-hmm. like you need to get groceries and you live in Mitchellville, you have to go to Altoona. Um, but I would say Runnels is probably a close second because it's actually pretty because it's over by the river. Like you, you actually have some like bluffs and some trees and stuff like that. Mitchellville is uh Mitchellville's Mitchellville. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> hey, no offense to my homies, Mitchellville. <laughs> All right, we'll answer some questions from the forums when we come back on Football and Random Things presented by Iowa Diamond on the Cycle Fanatic Podcast Network. Hello, Fanatics. This is Chris Williams. There are few financial commitments you will make in your life that are more important than where to get your mortgage from. That's why I want to tell you about my friend Jason Larson at Gershman Mortgage in Ankeny. Here's a real review from a client on Facebook. Jason was amazing to work with. He kept in contact with us where we were at throughout the whole process. When we went to sign, he had coffee and donuts for us that morning. He was super kind and helpful, and we said we would refer him to anyone looking to buy a home. Now, that's just one review. Jason Larson, Gershman Mortgage, and Ankeny is an equal housing lender. Their NMLS number is 138063. Give him a call at 515-554-6177. Please tell him that Chris Williams and Cyclone Fanatics sent you. Hey guys, it's Chris Williams. We're in the heart of football season now, and I got to tell you, 
I feel a lot better than I did a year ago, and I owe a lot of that to Dr. Kruger at the Ames Eye Clinic. Also, uh, their Des Moines location is, they're called Des Moines Eye Care in Des Moines. Same guys, really great eye doctors. I never thought that I had eye problems. I don't really have problems seen or anything like that, but I was suffering from chronic headaches. I mean, it was nonstop. I always had a headache. And I think a lot of it was because I stared at a screen all day. Dr. Kruger took a look at my eyes, took him about a half hour, and he knew exactly what was wrong. Prescribed me some glasses that now I use while I'm on my computer, while I'm working for you guys at Cyclone Fanatic all day. And man, has it made a difference. I'm even sleeping better. I challenge you, if you have a problem like this, any sort of eye problem, to contact our friends at Des Moines Eye Care and the Ames Eye Clinic. You can check out DesMoinesEyeCare.com or AimsEyeClinic.com. I would encourage you to do this and tell them that we sent you. Tell them thank you for supporting what we're doing here at Cyclone Fanatic. Welcome back to this insanely long mailbag. Mailbox was very full today. Uh, This first question should not take us very long to answer because I think we've discussed this previously. What makes Purdy different than than other quarterbacks Iowa State has had in the past that fizzled out? Uh, his system is set up for success. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's got um, great fruits for nuts and d- isn't afraid to like d- make the difficult play because it's the right play, but it's a difficult play. He's not going to shy away from that. Uh, he can run, can improvise, and is generally a pretty good feel for it. Um, and he's got David Montgomery and Hakeem Butler. There we go. Uh, from Dace Rope. How do defenses, specifically Iowa State's, handle tall receivers? Two of Texas Tech's top three receivers are 6'5 and 6'6. Brian Peavy, who is listed at 5'9, has a tall order ahead of him. I will say, Brian Peavy goes against Hakeem Butler all the time. Yep, and Matt Eaton. And Matt Eaton. So I don't think that this will be anything too new for him. No, and uh, do you know... David Sills and the, and the other guy from yeah, Sims pretty from tall. West Virginia are both like 6'5", too. And so, so you, you want to know like the way that any like shorter player is going to attack that it's sort of the way that we would attack cut blocks with like a big defensive end it was one of the one our running backs coach would always say it's a bigger tree and it falls harder so like you get a taller guy and yes they have good i mean they can extend if they want to but unless you're des bryant and you have like a lot of strength to go with that size i could get in and your i could get in your shit and i can like if i get you tight yeah I mean, that's why, like, you, uh, like uh, a UFC thing. It's like, how does Daniel Cormier, like, Daniel Cormier beats up on these longer, more, you know, lengthy guys that have a longer reach by, like, outside of John Jones, like, a, a longer reach of, like, a foot longer than he is. But how does he beat him? It's because he closes that space, and you, he makes you play his game. And so, yes, they have tall receivers, but if you can get into their personal space, because they're long, yeah they can go up and get a ball, but they also have to deal with your shit in their chest. So like that, uh, if I'm like defending a really tall receiver is you're probably not going to want to play a lot of jump jump balls. It's just not a thing you want to do, but you want to play them physical and you want to hit them hard. Like tall dudes do not like to get hit. Just generally speaking. Yeah. I would just say, my thing with Brian PV having a tall task ahead of him, Brian PV has been playing in the big 12 for four years. I think he'll be okay. Yeah. And he's got the best wide receiver in the conference or the best. Well, CD lamb, Hakeem Butler, Hollywood Brown. I'd say those three, I would think would be your first team, all big 12 receivers. Yeah. I think he'll be okay. Maybe sills. 
Yeah. I mean, I between think, those, think that's a product of those, a lot of other stuff yeah, as well. Between those four, maybe. All right, run, bike, swim. Is TCU the best four-loss team in the country? No. <laughs> no, they're not very good. Did you see Sean Robinson's out for the year now? With a shoulder? Yeah, he's had, had season-ending season ending shoulder surgery. Kevontae Turpin is also out for an extended period of time that guy. as well now. That dude. It's funny because he's 157 pounds. And that's the guy that's trying to be tough in real life. Yeah. Apparently, this is not the first time this has happened either, which is actually just came out today. Which is not okay. If that is the case, it's the first time I've heard of that. That is not okay. I saw that on Twitter like right before you got here. If that's not the first time and they've not done anything about it? Yeah, he got arrested in New Mexico in, in March. Gary, that's not okay. Yeah. Mr. Patterson. That was previously unreported as far as I know. He's 5'9", 157. Of course, he's trying to be tough. Uh, all right. I'm going to need you to pick a number between one and four. Are there four questions? Just say one and four. Three. Okay. Wheels 686. Wheels, Wheels 686. First of all, man, I just got to say, you, you submitted four questions on the forums in four different posts. Like, boom, 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 <laughs> boom. Like it got to the point where someone called him out. It was like, dude, you've submitted a bunch of questions. I think they get it. You know, it's all good. <laughs> They'll answer a question for you. Uh, the, and yeah, so you chose question number three. What is the proper technique technique for defensive backs to stop bubble screens? Uh, okay. So depends on which defensive back you're talking about. Um, but don't get blocked. Like, defend, to defend a bubble screen, you're really only going to ever throw that if you have leverage. You're never going to throw that. So, like, if you have two receivers on the left side, and obviously the number one receiver, the corner is never going to line up, like, away, that far away from the number one receiver because right. just leverage. And so, like, you're going to, the corner is going to be, let's say he's five yards off of the number one receiver. The only time you're going to throw a bubble screen is if the guy that's covering number two is inside of number two, like closer towards the ball and not towards the sideline, because then you actually have leverage to do it. Because if that guy's outside of number two and you go to throw a bubble, he's going to beat the receiver there. So the only time you're even going to attempt to throw a bubble screen is to once that once when there is leverage to throw that in there. So now the way you defend a bubble screen is you got to be physical as hell. That number one receiver or that number one corner has to push the the wide receiver up like one he, the most important job rather than pushing the receiver back the most important job is to keep his outside arm free and to make it turn back so you can't let him get outside of you because if you get outside of you then that the guy that's already naturally lined up inside of you mm-hmm. has a way longer way to run and that extra six seven eight yards that he has to track down that receiver unless it's Tyreek Hill is please I mean, it's just free yards. And so as a corner, you have to keep your outside arm free. And secondly, is you have to press up and make that the, the momentum of that receiver stop. So he, if he's running a bubble screen and he's running kind of, you know, at a like three-quarter jog, because you're not running full, full sprint on a bubble. So you're running like three-quarter jog and you catch the ball and you look to your left and there's somebody right in front of you, you have to stop. And so you're stopping and then that, that stop should allow the defense to rally to that position. Yeah. You just can't, I mean, there's a, a fine line too, is because you, you're, as a corner, you can't just like straight up run up the field and run by the entire play because the wide receiver is just going to push, keep, you know, run you by. And then there's still, you, you haven't made contain at all. 
So you're trying to get your outside arm free and push the running or the, the, the blocking wide receiver into the lap of the bubble route wide receiver is make them stop running and turn everything back to help. Just generally speaking, like as a as defensive principle, your best defender is our other defenders. It's not you. So your job a lot of times isn't to make the tackle yourself. Some, I mean, obviously it is because every play has to get tackled, but it, it does, if you have 11 guys in the field, you shouldn't be playing one-on-one football all the time. If you're playing one-on-one football all the time, the offense is going to win many more of those than you are because there's just more space. So you're trying to turn it back to your buddy and let your buddy make the play. All right, Gunner Clone and BM Wallace asked kind of similar questions. Uh, I'll just combine them. What's the best time to have a bye week? Is it best to have a bye week coming off of a big win or coming off of a big loss? And then what happens differently in a bye week compared to a game week? I would say the best time to have it is right when they had it is after a big win. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about this after last one or after or talked about it last week because it's really hard. And the metaphor I gave was like, all right, you're a salesman and you know, you're your selling cycle is like a month. And so in any, in, in, you're not really going to sell, in, you know, 10 times a day, you're going to sell like once a week. Well, let's say you have a day where you sold six things and that's like a damn good day. Like you had a fantastic day and you come home and you take your shoes off and you're like, honey, I had an awesome day. And then she goes, oh my God, um, we have to go help. You know, mom had a stroke. We have to go help her move into the nursing home. Like the thing that you just sat down to do and relax, you now have to get up and go do something with more effort. And so now imagine it's the same thing, you know, that, that mom had a stroke thing, but like, imagine you had to go back to work to the exact same thing and sell the exact same number. All of a sudden that effort that you thought you were able to kind of breathe from, you can't. And so you have to go back to working really, really hard. So a lot of times, you know, like Texas coming off of Oklahoma, they beat Baylor by six at home. Like that shouldn't have been the case, but they had that, that you needed, that they thought they just could breathe for a second. Yeah. So I think it's a better time to have coming off a big win than off a big loss. Because after a big loss, you're like, I just want to go hit somebody. Like, I, we need to get this out of, you want to work hard because mm-hmm. you want to get that taste out of your mouth. So I would say it's better after a big win. Now, what does it look like is the practices are a lot less intense. Um, like time-wise, at least for us, it was where um, a normal, let's say, because you'd, you'd practice maybe, you'd still practice maybe two to three, three to four times a week. But the practices in like a game week, your Tuesday, Mondays, usually everybody has off and it's just film and a lift. And then Tuesday would be uh, like your hard physical day of practice where you're working on like fitting and tackling and blocking more um, one-on-ones, pass rush, stuff like that. And that is say 20 periods, you know, a period being five minutes. So 18 periods being an hour and a half, it's like 20 periods, something like that, 2021. 20, and uh, Wednesday is a little shorter, but still physical. You're probably not in full pads. You're just shoulder pads and shorts and, and also helmets. You don't forget those when I say shoulder pads and shorts, make that clear. And uh, anyway, that may be 17, 18, something like that. And then Thursday is kind of a, the last padded day. And so sometimes we would only do pads for special teams and then go like Thursday would be like a game script day of like, um, not necessarily like a polish day of like you work on your like things that you want to fix. Like on Tuesday, you, th- you wanted to go over how to block like against, you know, whatever West Virginia and they have that three, three stack. And you're like, okay, how do we get our outside zone where we pull our center 
How do we get that blocked? Because it didn't look good on Tuesday. Okay, we're going to run that play again on Thursday. So you get that stuff kind of polished around. And that's like 15 periods and 14, something like that. And you work on, like I said, your specials. Usually if we had a trick play that you practice it on Thursday and then Friday you have a walkthrough day. You're not really doing anything on Friday. It's just literally you're walking and you have like a towel that you're using as a football. Uh, on a, in a bye week, like Tuesday's practice will feel like a Wednesday practice. So like your long, hard practice of the week is like 16 periods. And a lot of times that's with like half the coaching staff. So your individual drills, they just either cut or put you with a pod of like wide receiver, or excuse me, like tight ends and running backs will go together to work on chip blocking or something. And then the offensive linemen get together with the tight ends in the next period. And we get with the wide receivers to go do seven on seven or something like that because the, the other coaches are out recruiting. And so they leave some around, but they'll send some others to coach. And then Wednesday, it's like, Sometimes they'll just do like a walkthrough or like a jogthrough on Wednesday and like a Thursday's another hard practice and Friday's like a walkthrough and Saturday's a lift run film day or give you the day off to go see your family or Friday nights to let you go watch, you know, your high school game if it's close. And then Sunday, it's right back to game week. So you come in on a Sunday like you normally would on a Sunday after a game, but you're watching film on the next week rather than analyzing your own film on that day. So it's just a lot less intense and it's, it's a little weird because the coaches aren't around because they're out recruiting. So you have, it just throws off your schedule a little bit, but by the time Sunday rolls around, it's just like a regular week again. From Be Salty Man, hmm. do you have any game day superstitions or rituals? Oh, lucky, God. Lucky socks, et cetera. If not, what are some crazy ones you've heard of? I did. Uh, I came from the baseball world, and I feel like baseball players are the most superstitious people on the, on the planet. And in baseball, you don't ever touch the baselines mm -hmm. on the way in and or on and off the field. You don't. And if you didn't know that, now you do. And you know why you probably suck at baseball. Because you touch the baselines on and off. Uh, so I do that. I would always wear the same gloves for games. Granted, they were your game gloves, but I had like multiple years of game gloves. And if I had like a good pair, I'd keep those. I'd wash them. I wasn't the person like the... I think it's disgusting when people don't wash their things. Yeah. Like again, going back to the gym and like someone has like, you know, knee sleeves that they'll, they'll wear when they're lifting and they just take them off and put them in their bag and they come back the next day and they'll like make the joke like, Oh, these are still damp. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd always wash everything every day, yeah. no matter what that's disgusting. If you're that person, that's not helping. That's just making everyone around you annoyed with you. But I would, I would never. So I'd always wear like, I would use the same gloves and I would use the same like undershirt underneath. Um, and then I would also never touch the sideline or the end line when I was coming on to warm up. So like if you're coming on to warm up or leaving to warm up and always jump over the white lines um, coming on and off the field. Did any of your teammates have weird ones? <sighs> I don't think anybody. Oh, I'd also do this one. Um, that Okay, so putting on shoulder pads with, with a game jersey is so difficult because those things are tight. Yeah. And they're Velcroed on so they can't, like you can't get held. So they literally will like Velcro stick your jersey to your shoulder pads. And so you can't get them on by yourself. You have to have somebody help because they have to dig your like the, the foam and like the, the squishy part that comes underneath the pads. They have to dig underneath the, the pads, to, like pull them out. And so I would have, you know, say like Sedge, like the head equipment guy, he's in the locker room. I'm just trying to help him. Hey, you need a pair of cleats or whatever, whatever. And so you go ask somebody to help you put your shoes, your, your cleat, your shoulder pads on, excuse me. And uh, we win that week. Like, that person's putting my shoulder pads on the next time. 
until that runs out. And then the neck, then I move. So like Sedge does it for three weeks and we win two in a row and we lose the third. And all right, Sedge, your juju ran off. And I had to go, you know, Jake or somebody else that's doing, that's helping put off. So I, I was probably one of the more superstitious people. And I don't think anybody had like a, I can't recall anybody had the same or had something like that was like that. Yeah. I, my only thing was when I got ready, I put all of my things on in the exact same order every single time. So I, you know, would like put my, you know, my compression shorts and like your shorts and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I would put my left sock on my right sock on. Then I'd put my jersey on. Then I'd put my left shoe on and then my right shoe. And then I would tie them. Like I would tie my left shoe, tie my right shoe. And I did it in the same order every single time. And it was like, I just like, yeah, I had a very set, like down to a science. Like I do this in this way. I every did. Time. Baseball was way worse. I feel like it's just because it's so much more one-on-one. Yeah. Like there's so many less variables to, to account for. It's like pitcher, batter, go. And uh, so like, the this and that also part of it is to like zero yourself in for performance. So like it's some some of it's superstition. Most of what I did for football was superstition. Like it wasn't worth anything. But like for baseball, like a batting, you know, you you put one foot in the box, pick one spot in the bat, like take a deep breath in, take a deep breath out, and like clear your mind. Like tap the plate once, wave the bat a couple times until the pitcher gets to his wind up. Put the bat in your shoulder. Like that all is kind of like preparing your mentally for the thing. But the pregame stuff had nothing to do with success, but I still did it anyway. Had to. It's all mental. Uh, Triple Z, who has the higher upside as a potential pro prospect as a pass rusher, Will McDonald or any? Um, I think we've seen more out of any to make it seem like he's the better pro prospect. We just don't know enough about McDonald. Yeah. No. like, And he's also really skinny. And so what if he just never puts on weight? Like You can't be a pro at that skinniness. He's got to become... He's got to be about 30 pounds thicker before he becomes, because what is he, like 215, 220 maybe? Yeah, something like that. And so, like, you can't be that skinny and still be a good pass rusher. If he's that athletic at 250, now you're talking Bruce Irvin. So, like, you've got the ability to do that, but he, I, we haven't seen it yet, and it's still a lot to project out. But any is, uh, he has been a lot more productive. So I'd say he's a better fit. I also think because he can play a three is really versatile, so he can play a three-tech if he had to. Probably not in the NFL um, if he were to get there, which I think he is. Um, he's probably not going to play a three-tech in the NFL. He's much more of a true defensive end, but he could play a 3-4 D end. Like, San Diego runs a 3-4 most of the time, and so that defensive end position like he plays right now is a little bit different. It's more interior lineman than it is like a true defensive end like you know, most other teams run. Yeah. So he can play both like th- what sort of like the, like Adrian Claiborne. I'm obviously not saying he's the same level because Adrian Claiborne's the best defensive player I ever played against, but that level, like Claiborne could play inside or outside. And so he could do anything. And I think any is similar to that. He's just got to, you know, keep improving. He's not a number four draft pick or whatever it was, but still like that kind of mold. Did you know that David Irving was going to be as good as he's been in the NFL? Uh, no. Because he was lazy as hell when he was at Iowa State. Just like physically, though? You knew physically, he had the yeah. I mean, when he got his, yeah. I remember him being on his visit, and it was like, and because uh, they would introduce the recruits they'd have on their officials because they'd come with us to the hotel on Friday nights and eat the team meal with us. And they're like, and we've got, you know, blah, blah, blah from blah, blah, blah. Then we got David Irving at defensive end from something, something, California. And he stands up and you're like, good Lord. You seven foot two? 
<laughs> his arms are like 19 feet long. What's the craziest recruit story you have that you can tell and you don't even have to say anybody's name? I never, no. I was never asked to, to host. host because they asked, every, like, well, not take that back. I was, I was asked to host. I never hosted because they were like, remember when we, I talked about like, I don't do things fun. <laughs> Didn't in college. Uh, I, like if I was, it was going to be like me and like four yeah. friends, which yeah. is not really what like you're trying to sell. Um, but you're also really, I mean, you try and match kids up with personality. And so like, I just didn't want to, <laughs> like, yeah. out and didn't want to host and like, Oh, you get like, you know, a hundred bucks per diem or whatever. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to have a high school kid tag around with me on a Friday or a Saturday night when I'm trying to not do something when I'm trying to, you know, even just go do something with a, like three friends, like going over a buddy's house. I'm just trying to relax. I don't want to have to this 18 year old punk that I have to explain all my inside jokes to not worth it, man. So I, I never hosted a recruit. Not once. I hosted two recruits at Simpson. Didn't get either one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them had fun though. I can tell you that. Uh, all right. From SRJ clone, who will have the worst winning percentage as a head coach at their current spots when all is said and done, John Gruden or Herm Edwards. Ooh, I think Herm Edwards. I think, you said John, John Gruden or Herm Edwards? Yeah. Mm, I don't think Herm Edwards is going to turn it around anytime soon. I mean, what is he doing? Like, I, think John, or I think Gruden is, I don't remember who he was talking about. I think it might have been Spears. It was like, he's just trying to be, might have even been, I don't know, Williams, somebody. He's trying to be serviceable until they move to Las Vegas. Like, you're trying not to lose fans. Yeah. But, like, who are they trying to get rid of? They're huge ticket guys, and they're trying to rebuild to a system that they can get. Like, Amari Cooper is off to Dallas and you know, Khalil Mack went off to Chicago. Like they can suck now and they're going to rebuild because they have a decent quarterback and they just need to get rid of these really high contract guys and be like, like Seattle, like Seattle, they kind of suck now yeah, because they had to start paying all their dudes. And so they had to lose them. So when they were in their rookie contracts, their first three year contracts or whatever, you have a cap of like, this is how much these people are worth. And you can lock those salaries in and you don't have to overpay anybody. Then Russell Willis, Russell Wilson needs to get paid. Cam Chancellor needs to get paid. Uh, you know, uh, Martellus Bennett needs to get paid and Richard Sherman needs to get paid. Like all these dudes need to get paid now. And all of a sudden you can't afford three dudes for $20 million. You have to pay one dude $20 million and all of a sudden they're gone. And so I think Gruden is going to be successful. It's just going to take a little bit. And I think they're going to be off to Vegas before he actually is. As long as they just don't lose fans in Oakland. I don't think Herm Edwards is really cut out for the college game. Yeah. I mean, Herm Edwards, I don't think even really like understands college football still. Like what it takes to be successful in college football. I remember, I just remember like the press conference and they were talking about like the devils. And he's like, no, I'm a God, I'm a godly man. I'm a godly man. And they were like, Herm, do you, do you realize? We're... Oh, it was devil's digest. Yeah. These devil's digest. No, no, I can't be talking to devil's digest. I'm a, I'm a godly man. And they're like, Herm, your, your team is the sun devils. That's just the name of your team paper. Yeah. I'll never forget just when they they had the video of him walking into his office and they had the jersey and he like holds the jersey up. He's like, man, this is small. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah. That's so that's the way things are now. We don't, we don't have the, uh, the old tearaways the, anymore. The, the old uh, Lawrence Phillips, like just mesh practice jerseys that you put down, that come down to your belly button. All right. From team closet. This is our guy who makes our t-shirts. Shout out to Mike. Uh, 
best way to prepare a PB&J sandwich? Lots of peanut butter and less jelly, more jelly and less peanut butter. Do you like the jelly evenly spread or is clumpy jelly good with you? No, no, no. Okay, so peanut butter and jelly. It's a thin to moderate layer on one slice of bread, a thin to moderate layer on the other slice of bread to present or to, to serve as a barrier so the jelly doesn't seep in and or through the bread. And then you spread the jelly mostly evenly. You try and cut the main chunks and spread them out. And then you condense said sandwich. And because the peanut butter is, is a hydrophobic substance, it keeps everything in. Also, I would say, if we're going to talk another hot button issue, uh, grape jelly, only okay. I'm a strawberry jam guy. Yeah, everybody on there was talking about strawberry as well. So. Strawberry jam. Grape jelly can, uh, grape jelly's overrated. I'm a raspberry guy. They are over, wow. That's out of, out of left field. Yeah, I like raspberry jelly. You know what other one that's uh, super underrated? Orange marmalade. I can't, can't back you on that one. Orange marmalade. All right, Mad Guy 30. Have you ever played a sport where you knew the other team's plays, and how did that go for you? Um, let me think back to that. They knew the other team's plays. I played on a team where everybody knew our plays. That didn't go very well. Um, they, there are teams that, like, tipped a lot of like, if they line up in a certain front, there's like one thing they're going to do out of it. But we never, I don't know. I don't think we ever baseball. You could tell when a pitcher was throwing a pitch, but it was yeah. more tipping. It wasn't like you didn't know his, you didn't know yeah. out and out like, Oh, he's throwing a curveball. It's like, Oh, he's, you know, I could see his, you know, his middle finger grip the ball a little bit more. I could, you know, you could, he's fiddling around his glove a lot more. And every time he does that, it's a curveball or, in, you know, like I said, in football, like every time they run the five man odd front or a four man, four, three odd front, they're going to run with some type of field blitz. They never do that. Okay. They're in a four, three odd front. They're going to run a field blitz. Oh, they ran a field blitz. Like it was never out and out. No, like, Hey, they're going to run power. And they ran power. It was never that, but it was always like tipping. And that always goes well. Yeah. When you know, <laughs> when the element of surprise is gone, it generally leads to success. Yeah. Yeah. My, my team is Simpson. This is no exaggeration. I think by the end of the season, we probably had like 30 different sets with like three variations that could come out of each set. So there was like 90 plays that we ran. And we would practice all of them before the game during our two-hour walkthrough that we would do. Nice. Uh, and then we would come out and we would blow our load in like the first 10 minutes and run like 12 different sets and then none of them would work because they would all be on film because we run them all right in the first 10 minutes of the game. And then the, it gets to a point where it's like, man, why aren't our plays working? It's like, well, probably because they're all really easy to know and probably because they all suck and we're not good at any of them because we run so many of them. And so now we're just going to spread it out and run weave. John, and let's hey, just go. John Wooden, man. Dude, what, eight plays? Yeah. That's eight. the best way to play. Simplistic basketball. That was not simpli simplistic basketball. Simpliptic. Simpliptic. Yes, that's correct. Simpliptic. Uh, some of these I'm going to skip because it's been a really long time. Uh, Loyal Fokker, has Jeff ever tried using the pickup line, would you like to see why people call me Woody? No, I have not. Uh, I try and avoid using, you know, a boner joke to pick somebody up. I feel like if the person says yes to that, that's not the person you want. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on who it is that... I mean, like, like me personally being yeah. like, 
like and just in- yeah you i mean yeah you like i can't imagine that would be the person you would want right but yeah i'm are. not looking for like boner joke i'm in like that. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's the first icebreaker you're looking for uh so no i have not used that fair enough uh halloween is coming up what are your favorite scary movies can we get any personal recommendations and then have either of you ripped ass that ended up being a little too juicy <laughs> AKA, have you sharded? Yeah. Of course. What do people, what do football players do if they need to poop in the middle of the game? Uh, hold it until halftime, um, which is generally not comfortable. Uh, or you, like, hey, uh, talk to a trainer, be like, look, I got, gotta go. Like, <laughs> bad. And they run with you in and you take one and you come back out. That's very rare. Like, yeah. most of the time, you get that out before the game. And if you have to, just as a person, if you have to poop within an hour and a half of pooping, <laughs> either you have something wrong with you or you have a severe like lack of bowel control, which would probably constitute also being something wrong. Like that's, that's just not something good. Uh, the functional part of that question is uh, scary movies. I think my favorite like Halloween style movie is the new it. That's my I don't know if you saw that one, Mm-mm. but the new it movie that was uh, that was good. It was, it's, it's way less like out and out, like, like scary, scary. It's more like a, a mind bender type movie. Those are the kinds that I like. I don't like. They like, like the slasher, mo- like saw, like I'm not, I don't like those. Like, it's just, like, I don't want to see a person torn apart. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. I want to like. No, I don't like those kinds of movies. No, I don't want that. No. Uh, cooler if you did. If you could dunk on any Iowa State basketball player, who would it be? And then what would your smack talk sound like? And then it says, since I didn't specify, you lose rep for saying one of the Twister sisters unless your smack talk, smack talk involves a pickup line. Hmm. I don't think I would. I don't. Knowing like a Division One athlete, if you're if you're trash talk, let's say like again, you're trying to the women's basketball players, you're trying to pick one up. Probably not the best idea to dunk on one because they're super competitive and they're just going to want to kick your ass. Yeah. And they're going to come down the court and do something that's not going to work. Like guaranteed, 0% chance that works. Uh, If you could dunk on anybody, I don't, I think you would have to be George just because I would want to hear what his excuse for that would be. George Niang? Yes. Okay. Like not some Boris, not Yorgos. Yeah. Uh, But like what, because George is a terrific trash talker. And so like, I would like to hear that what my six foot white ass is doing dunking on him like what his excuse for that would be. And so it wouldn't even really be trash talk. It would just be like, it'd be basically asking like, so what are you going to say about that? Like, what, what just happened, George? Like, what just happened? Like, yeah, let him say something. I just want to hear what that would be. There are some of those guys that if I, if I tried to talk trash to them, I, I'm scared that they would say something that would really hurt my feelings back. I don't, wouldn't want to do that. Like DeAndre Kane or something. Oh, or I like feel like he like was that. a terrific. He had to have been a really good trash talker. That's what I'm saying. Like I know some of those guys could probably say some stuff where you, where you would like you would immediately forget the fact that you just dunked on See, them. I'm not, and then you'd be like, it's just like damn. And like in trash talk, like I'm not. There's a line that I don't go, and like, like I don't do personal insults. Yeah, that's usually there's usually kind of a. I think there's kind of a separation uh, between the kind of trash talkers there are, especially on a basketball court. I would, uh, I think in football too. I like, think part of it has to do with where you are from. Yeah, the southern guys. 
Like yeah. the Southern Texas, Florida guys. Like growing up when I like played anything, you didn't, you just didn't talk to anybody else like on the other team. Yeah. But then like there's other, like when I started playing college basketball, kids from Chicago. And oh yeah. Arizona and places like that. It's like, no, this is like you, they're going to talk to you and you can either talk back or you can just ignore them. And yeah. those are basically the two options. I would, I would, uh, so like I said, I would never, I couldn't bring myself to like say personal insults. Like, man, you, you, you soft like that kind of like I, I couldn't do personal insults and so i would never usually trash talk with anybody which want, you want to know what diffuses trash talk faster compliments <laughs> not even kidding not even kidding is if you're like i mean one is if you accept that of like man you soft i'm like yep <laughs> respond to that you're trash talking me like man you soft you're right <laughs> i yeah, you are. <laughs> All right, cool. Or be Thanks. like, <laughs> like, hey, good hit, man. Like, yeah, I'm gonna come at. I'm, I'm gonna do that all games. I hope so. <laughs> Keep it up, man. You're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it just it diffuses trash talk way faster if you don't talk back and you just like accept it, or like you don't have to internalize it. You're not being like, man, you're soft. I'm like, yeah, I am. Like I am soft. I'm soft. <laughs> oh, soft. Like you don't internalize the insult, but like you just accept that they're gonna trash talk. Be like, "Yep, you got me." I am. Shoot, I'm soft. Uh, all right, DSM Psy. I'm not sure I'd want to win the Mega Million slash Powerball. Am I insane? My thought is that the potential negatives outweigh the obvious positives of never worrying about money again. People wouldn't look at you the same way. You'd be expected to pick up every tab forever. Family and friends, those are in, both in quotations, will relentlessly contact you for money. One, will you buy a ticket this week? And two, what would you do with the money if you won? Oh, that's, I thought about this before. I was that, actually thinking about this earlier today. Because what's funny, the, side note, what's funny is that I, I don't remember what, I think it was a stand-up comedian that was like, Oh, Powerball's worth, you know, 500 billion. I better go buy, or 500 million. I better go buy a ticket. And they're like, like $30 million isn't enough for you. <laughs> you have to wait till it's 500. It's $30 million not enough for your big time life. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't think the sentiment of being like not wanting to win that much money would be wrong. I would like to for the clear purpose of like, I would like, I've, already, I've had this like, obviously go through my head, you know, everybody daydreams. And so like, I feel like the, the, there would be, have to be hard and fast guidelines of like, this is what I'm willing to give. You can get that. But then I would still work where I'm working. It would just be a lot easier to do what I'm doing, even yeah. though like the stress of not having money would be there. But um, I would still have, you have, still have to have a purpose for what you're doing. So like if I won that much money, I would pay, obviously pay off the debts of any loved one that I have, like fair, like fair game. Uh, and two is save a ton of that. Like 90% of everything that gets there is like, say just straight up saved. I mean, just think about if you won. Okay. So right now the power or the mega millions is at $1.6 billion. Uh, and I think the cash option is like 904 million, but then if taxes like 24%, you'd end up with like $650 million. Right. You would be able to pay off most people's debts. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, assuming that your debts are not astronomical, most people's debts, buy yourself a brand new house, basically in cash, buy a new not car, basically, li literally. literally in cash, buy a new car, and then probably would still have like 645 million <laughs> left over. 
<laughs> so I, I think, like I said, the thing that it would be saving all of that. And then the fun part becomes like, you know, if you say you win 600, let's say 650 for easy math, like for me, like you would, li- I would literally try and save like 600 of that 650 just gone. I don't want to see it. I don't want to touch it. Like I, I don't want any have access to that at all. Yeah. Cause obviously $50 million is still a ton of money, but like, you would then like in that would take like 40 million of that. And that's where like the really like roll the dice, like being an entrepreneur, like investing in companies and like getting with people with that. And then like the last 10 million would be, that's where it becomes like fun. Like I'm going to buy mom a car and buy dad a house and grandma's, you know, gets whatever and whatever, whatever. And that's where the fun stuff is, but like pare it down to what you can do with it. I mean, it seems like it, $650 $650 million, you'd never run out of money. Like, you literally right. never run out of money. You couldn't. Well, and that's my thing. It's like, it. you see these people blow through this money and stuff, but because they do stuff, like, you go and buy a plane. And it's like, for me, I'm like, would it be cool to have a plane? Yeah. But what do for I need what? a plane for? For you, what? Like, I don't need that. Because you can? Yeah, exactly. And that, I think that there's a difference between there being someone that wins the lottery and it's like, yeah, I understand the pressure, your family and friends and all stuff, but you know what you could just do? No. You don't get any money like that. That's, that's my money. And that's like all there is to it. You know, and it's like, if it's your mom and dad, like that's one thing. But if it's like your second cousin that you haven't heard from in 20 years, yeah, it's like, no, like, I don't even know you. And man. you, and you say no to them and what, what's the worst case, right? They don't talk to you again. Exactly. It's you like, I haven't talked to, to you in 20 years anyway. In the first place. Not, not too worried about it. You know? Uh, and if that's the case of like, you're picking up the tab every time you go out. You've got, you've got, damn it. You've got, I'm gonna have to go bleep that out. That's fine. Uh, you've got $650 million. I think you'll, you can, you can pick you, up, the you tab. can pick up a lot of tabs you before I tab. think you're in any danger. Uh, I actually, I think I am going to go buy a ticket just for the novelty of it. Just to say you did. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a five. If, uh, a, f- five. a five, no, just a five, just, oh. a, just a Lincoln. Oh, I thought we were closer for your, that. for your trouble. I thought we were closer than that, Jared. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, man, I this one's really, I feel like this one would take a lot of contemplation. We're just going to skip it because we're almost done. I went to dinner with my wife this weekend and ordered a Korean beef dish, but was concerned it would be too spicy. The waitress suggested that I should, I could get gochujang sauce on the side. That sounds like a Dragon Ball Z character. Uh, Have you ever ordered food and snickered because there was something that sounded naughty in the order? If so, what? Gochujang does sound kind of naughty. Like that sounds Gochuchang, like that's super good though. Is it? It's one of my favorite barbecue sauces. Yeah, it's real good. Sweet. Would it be more likely to be something dirty or to be the next Dragon Ball Z character? That would be more Dragon Ball Z character. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I probably have. I mean, I'm 13. I would notice right. 13 internally. I would notice those. Yeah. I just, can't think of anything off the top no. of my head though. I sh- I liked that. I wanted to say that gochujang sauce. I like that word. Gochujang. Gochujang. How do you pronounce the the? It's the brown sauce. It's like a like a. Uh, sounds like a t- look. It'd be a town in England. Spelled Worcestershire. Oh, Worcestershire. Yeah. Worcestershire. How do you pronounce that word? Worcester. Wor- Worcestershire. Worcestershire sauce. You don't say. You don't pronounce all the syllables. Worcestershire. I, I think I was like Worcestershire. Worcestershire sauce. We <laughs> <laughs> gotta make an egg Benedict. We're gonna put some <laughs> sauce in it. 
All right, Cyclone Dave, last one. If, I, if you had to eat only one fast food chain for the rest of your life, what would it be? You can only eat irons from that place. Absolutely nothing else ever. Jimmy John's. Okay. Easy. I, that, I think that's the only fast food place that I've been to in like two years. The only exception might be like one or two Hardee's burgers. And then I feel like my insides are wrenching outside of themselves for three days. But I could, I pretty much do eat the same thing at Jimmy John's. Like I've gone through the menu. Like I've, I've had one of each and now I've got a favorite. And uh, that Jimmy John's order usually is going to be a slit or is a number four, which is a turkey tom on wheat. And then rather than getting chips as a side, I'll get a slim three, which is a tuna melt. And, or tuna sandwich and you get a tuna sandwich for a side which it's like 300 more calories total than if you would get like with sandwich and chips but I'm going to take that because I like sandwiches much more than I like chips and so I'm going to get one wheat sandwich and one tuna sandwich with uh, as a side alright Jeff All right. Me. is Iowa State going to beat Texas Tech on Saturday I think they will I, I think that the teams that, that worry me down the road are teams that are patient and there are teams against this defense that are going to you know we talk about it the 4 yards 4 yards 4 yards 4 yards 4 yards this is the definition of an impatient team I don't think Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury has ever been could have been defined as a patient offense and so you can't do that against Iowa State or can't do it well so I, I honestly think it's going to be hard for Texas Tech to score that much because they are not patient enough to do it. So I, I don't think this is all that close. Um, but I, 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 I've been wrong before, but I, I, this, is, this seems like it's one of those 30 to like 31 to like 17 games. So exact score is last way. It was 31. Are you looking up the last score? Uh, no, I actually accidentally stopped it right after your last sentence you just said. So. We're good though. Oh, I thought you just like left it on a cliffhanger. And, like, oh we no, were, like we were done. No, we're back on it now. We uh, there's just like a there's gonna be like kind of a jump where people are like, wait, what just happened? And then I they, think I was in the middle of saying something in it. So sorry guys. Unless it's like the Sopranos where they just cut it off mid sentence. Yeah. All right. Talk to you on Saturday, Jeff, for the Cyclone Fanatic Tailgate Show. Sonlas Ocho. Yes, at eight a.m. Sonlas Ocho. Sonlas Ocho. Thanks again to Iowa Diamond for being the presenting sponsor of Football and Random Things. Thanks to everybody that sent questions in and made this much easier to fill time uh, after a bye week. Talk to you guys again next week. Peace.